Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The ban on Russian oil. We're there. It has happened. The president took to the airwaves to say we're going to do this. We will have a ban on Russian oil. It has begun. Does that mean we're about to see oil prices hit $200 a barrel? Well, Brent crude right now is at 131.7. West Texas Intermediate is at 127.6. The Dow up 139. NASDAQ up 32. Is Vladimir Putin joking, serious, threatening when he says $300 a barrel? And do Americans even care? Threatening Americans is is not something that usually works. I mean, you got to admit, we're, we're, we're an interesting group of people. We're not people who are interested in being threatened. We we don't we don't seem to take very kindly to the idea that 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 you would threaten us. It's it's just nah. Now, we don't even take kindly that if you threaten somebody we don't like. Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans, or so we're told. Oh, you, no, 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 you don't get to threaten. They ain't heavy, they my brother. So I think there's a, something very unique going on here when we talk about these, these, uh, these moments where Americans are saying, yeah, we'll take higher oil prices because Russia's wrong and they just have to be destroyed, and this is the way to do it, as well as sending fighter jets to Poland. Therefore, we'll send fighter jets to Ukraine. That's how that works. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. I'm going to share with you the speech, but I, I, I must. It, it's the ending. It's the last couple of minutes that are the ones that are going to get everybody out of their head. Because Joe Biden said something that now can be disproven. Will it be is the question, but can be. And he starts, he, he ends with, this really kind of crazed blame game about those energy companies and their prices. Oh, and by the way, the reason we don't create more energy, that's all because of the energy companies. Let me me say this. To the oil and gas companies and to the finance firms that back them, we understand Putin's war against the people of Ukraine is causing prices to rise. We get that. That's self-evident. But... But, 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 it's no excuse to exercise excessive price increases or padding profits or any kind of effort to exploit this situation or, Amer- or American uh, consumers, exploit them. Russia's aggression is costing us all, and it's no time for profiteering or price gouging. I want to be clear about what we'll not tolerate. But I also want to acknowledge those firms and oil and gas industries that are pulling out of Russia and joining other businesses that are leading by example. This is a time when we have to do our part and make sure we're not taking we're not taking advantage. Look, let me be clear. What does he mean by taking advantage? Who's taking advantage and taking advantage of what? Are you telling me the price can't go up for oil when there's less oil on the market and the price for oil in general is going up because there's less oil on the market? 
Is this the argument from the so-called capitalist president, Joe Biden? I think that is a hateful conversation right there. Hateful. And he followed up on that hateful conversation with with this nugget. About uh, two other points. First, it's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. We're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the United States, and we're on track to set a record oil production next year. In the United States, 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10%, that occurs on federal land. The oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's That is a stunning statement because that statement now sets into motion oil companies being able to respond. What happens when we learn, yes, they're not utilizing them because, well, this regulation in this state or this federal regulation or this cost structure here or this regulation there? Wouldn't the argument be, in the same way we talk about the Defense Production Act, hey, We need more oil. So, hey, oil companies, let's get drilling in these spots. You already got the licenses. Let's go. I'm encouraging you to drill. Wouldn't that at least, at at the very, very least, be the way uh, to, to start? Or at least, at the very least, an argument? But no, he doesn't start with that. He starts with saying, you're profiting too much. How dare you? And hey, America, I ain't the problem. It's not my policies. It's these these oil companies. They won't drill more. Can I say for the record, that is a very, very, very weird, weird take. An obscene take. Let me share with you how he finished it up. Decisions. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Second, this crisis is a stark reminder to protect our economy over the long term. We need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be wean themselves off of Russian oil. It's just not it's just not tenable. It should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. This is a perspective that our European allies share and the future where together we can achieve greater independence. Loosening environmental regulations or pulling back clean energy investment won't, let me explain, won't, will not lower energy prices for families. But transforming our economy to run on electric vehicles powered by clean energy with tax credits to help American families winterize their homes and use less energy, that will. Okay, it's at this moment. It's at this moment 
you have to wonder if anything he said about not buying uh, Russian oil uh, is, is, is even credible. Now, I'm someone who, who will tell you. I, I, anecdotally, what I've heard from people is they're totally fine, totally fine with banning Russian oil. And they're fine even with the cost increase. They're, they're, they're like, okay, we'll take this. It's it's the it's Putin. It's the freaking Russians. These people have to be destroyed. Them, the Chinese, they just got to be freaking ruined. And so they're willing to take a hit. But that is a different, different conversation. Then you see, our problem is too much oil. That's why we gotta we gotta go green. So here are these oil companies that have these 9,000 licenses and they're not drilling. And instead of, and the reason Biden isn't telling them, hey, drill, baby, drill, so we can get some more energy going, is because he is beholden to the progressives and wants to move this leftist nonsense of green. And look at the backdrop that he's willing to use to try and move the agenda forward. That is not a president who is very focused on a sustainable society. So we understand each other. I don't care how you feel about green. I should say green. Solar or wind. I I, I don't care. You like it, you don't like it, whatever. What you have to accept is that America can't do it. We do not have what it takes at the moment. The technology is not there for solar or wind. The technical technology is not there for renewals, renewables. And even if you were to say, well, electric vehicles for everybody, right? Just like this really insulting commentary from Pete Buttigieg. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. An electric vehicle on average costs $55,000. Not everybody has an electric vehicle. But what an argument. You don't have to worry about gas prices if you have an electric vehicle. The electricity comes from somewhere. And the gas prices are still going to affect everything that gets shipped through the crossroads of America, my beloved Indianapolis, Indiana. What a foolhardy statement from a fool of a took. Embarrassing, to say the least. But when these are your thoughts, when this is your focus... You are taking one of the most serious moments that has come across in three generations. And you're saying a perfect time to move our agenda. He finishes up. That will help. And if we can, if we do what we can, it will mean that no one has to worry about the price of the gas pump in the future. That'll mean tyrants like Putin won't be able to use fossil fuels as weapons against other nations. And it will make America a world leader, manufacturing and exporting clean energy technologies of the future to countries all around the world. This is the goal we should be racing toward. 
Over the last two weeks, the Ukrainian people have inspired the world. And I mean that in a literal sense. They've inspired the world with their bravery, their patriotism, their defiant determination to live free. Putin's war, Putin's war has caused enormous suffering and needless loss of life of women, children, everyone in Ukraine. Both Ukraine and, I might add, Russians. Ukrainian leaders, as well as leaders around the world, have repeatedly called for a ceasefire, for humanitarian relief, for real diplomacy. But Putin seems determined to continue on his murderous path, no matter the cost. Putin's now targeting cities and has been targeting cities and civilians, schools, hospitals, apartment buildings. Last week, he attacked the largest nuclear power plant in Europe with an apparent disregard for the potential of triggering a nuclear meltdown. He has already turned two million Ukrainians into refugees. Russia may continue to grind out its advance at a horrible price, but this much is already clear. Ukraine will never be a victory for Putin. Putin may be able to take a city, but he'll never be able to hold the country. And if we do not respond to Putin's assault on global peace and stability today, the cost of freedom and to the American people will be even greater tomorrow. So we're going to continue to support the brave Ukrainian people as they fight for their country. And I call on Congress to pass the $12 billion Ukraine assistance package that I have asked them for uh, of late. Now, if that does not include sending fighter jets to Poland so MiGs can head on over to Ukraine, none of it is worth it. So he wraps up, and you're like, wait, wait, did he, did he take any questions? Oh, you. Ukrainian people are demonstrating by their physical courage that they are not about to just let Putin take what he wants. That's clear. They'll defend their freedom, their democracy, their lives. And we're going to keep providing security assistance, economic assistance, and humanitarian assistance. We're going to support them against tyranny, oppression, violent acts of subjugation. People everywhere, and I I think it's maybe even surprised some of you all, people everywhere are speaking up for freedom. When the history of this war is written, Putin's war on Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. And God bless all those heroes in Ukraine. And now I'm off to Texas. Thank you very, very much. I know there's a lot of... I know know there's a lot of questions, but there's a lot more that has to be made clear. And I'm going to hold on that until we get more information. Thank you. Appreciate it. And the reporters... All right, so no questions again. And he said... They accept this. They're like, oh, okay, Uh, Joe Biden can't answer questions now. I guess I won't ask. You keep asking questions. Oh, it's so, it's just so ridiculous when they act like that. It's, it's embarrassing. It really is. I'm okay with the sanction. I can be convinced otherwise. I only question, as I have over the last days, why wasn't this thought through long before this moment? Why did it take so long to get to this moment? Did it have anything to do with the deal trying to bring Iran to the table to sign a new nuclear deal, which won't do any good whatsoever? I'll get into that later. Meanwhile, what's the situation in Ukraine? And how is this going to affect things economically? We've got those stories coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz.
So, uh, I, I'm on AMP. I don't know if you know what AMP is. This is all just breaking and releasing today. And I turns out I know a guy who knows a guy who does a thing. And next thing you know, I, I, I'm on AMP. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. What in the world is AMP? Uh, I, I, I will tell you. So AMP is Amazon saying what we need in this world is just one more social media platform. And so they've created this world by which you can become your own DJ. So they've got a total music library for you. You create your own, um, you know, your own content. You create your own uh, feed, if you will, your, your own playlist, and boom, you're off to uh, the, the, the races. So this is called AMP, A-M-P. So I got a code and I created a show and uh, I, don't th- I don't think they're doing archives right now. The, the interesting com- thing here, is, is, and by the way, I'm, I'm not paid in any way, shape or form. I have absolutely no financial connection to this, although uh, I, I certainly wouldn't mind being uh, recognized as an influencer from them. It would probably be helpful to the career, right? Helpful to getting people to know what it is you're doing. Only thing we do here is, is cigars and, and, and music that goes with cigars. That's total. That's absolutely it. That's all I'm going to be doing on this. I don't know if America wants or the world wants one more thing. So the question before us is, why did they create this? So you can basically create your own radio station because you have songs at your disposal, millions of songs. Can I just say they are beating the crap out of music radio like it's their job. It's kind of like the music industry absolutely cannibalizing itself. I think that's one of the reasons why talk is actually doing so well is that it's truly unique. You got you to gotta be listening to the person you want to listen to, hearing uh, the, their, their point of view. It, it takes a lot more creativity than just saying, okay, here are the nine songs that I'm doing. I'm going to put together as opposed to maybe creating night songs. So does Amazon think it can create a whole new ecosystem? And that ecosystem does what? I mean, they just signed Nicki Minaj to be a part of it. I'm just curious as to what they get. I'll let you know how it goes. It's called OnAmp underscore there on Twitter. A-M-P. If you're there, look for me. I'm at Tony Katz. The Markets, that's next. Keep it here. The United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. That was President Biden just a little while ago. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. How are the markets responding? The Dow is up. The Dow is up. It was up 454, right now up 411. NASDAQ is up 217. But short-term reaction versus long-term reality. 
America at $6 a gallon gas, which is very, very possible. $200 a barrel for oil, which right now we saw highs of 130, 131 today. Where does this take us? Charles Payne joins us right now. You know him from Fox Business. You also got to check out his site, W Street. That's the letter WStreet.com. And his book, Unstoppable Prosperity. You can get that for free. Just go to WStreet.com and make uh, that happen. Uh, The markets have been unique. Uh, The markets have been, for guys who aren't as into it as you, uh, frightening as all get out. First things first, are you down with this banning of Russian oil in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, I'm down with it. But let me just say one thing, because I was listening to the intro. Uh, I don't think Biden's comments had anything to do with this uh, reversal. There's some scuttlebutt going around, and I'm not sure. I'm try- I was right before you, you uh, came on with you trying to get confirmation that Zelensky is, is now saying he's willing to compromise. Uh, with respect to NATO and, and apparently even maybe those breakaway republics. Remember, uh, that was part of the bargaining yesterday, uh, and, uh, and that's a huge part. I mean, if, if he does say, uh, essentially he put it this way, NATO is not prepared to accept Ukraine, uh, and, uh, which is sort of like, and so we're not going to push for it. And if this is the case, we may actually see some resolution on this Russian invasion sooner rather than later. And that is obviously huge news for the market and, and the world in general. Right. So when we talk about those breakaways, we're talking about Donetsk, we're talking about Luhansk, which were declared breakaways by Vladimir Putin. And it was clear that those were going to be the areas that it was going to be very difficult to take Russian troops out of. It was part of Russia's demands of you have to we, those areas stay separatist and you have to change your constitution and you have to uh, you have to, uh, I don't know, bake us brownies. It was a whole laundry list of, of, of madness. But if they are seeing movement in that way, your argument is that's more of a a mover of the markets than anything Biden had to say about oil. Oh, one million percent. It's not even up for debate. I mean, what Biden said was, you know, we knew he was going to do this yesterday. It's not new news. It's not news for the market. Uh, economically, it's it's the proverbial drop in the bucket. Um, uh, you know, it, it was really a bigger issue, to be honest with you, with, with this administration and European allies who, who you know, have been resistant, obviously, because they're so dependent on Russian, uh, particularly natural gas, but, you know, overall energy supplies. So it was sort of a unilateral move. I think uh, President Biden saw an opportunity to kind of switch the uh, the inflation argument and get it off his back and put it on, on, on Vladimir Putin's back. And if you listen to the speech, he tried to suggest, hey, you know, we're, we're 75 cents uh, since uh, the invasion and, you know, also got a chance to promote clean energy. So I think that, you know, in the, in the White House, nothing comes before the PR. Whoever Whoever's in charge of PR, uh, they have the final say, and it was like, listen, uh, you know, forget about this uh, thing uh, where Germany and the rest are saying, don't even push this issue. We don't want to weaponize this. You know, we already heard from, from Russia yesterday saying if there's some sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, a multilateral Western push uh, against uh, fossil fuels, then they could turn off the spigot. Nord Stream 1, they can flip a switch and turn it off. Germany is deadly afraid of that. Uh, natural gas prices have been up as much as 1,600% in the last year. Uh, almost every day it's up 100% the last couple of days. So, uh, you know, I think the White House saw it as a way uh, of trying to shift blame. Uh, but as far as the market is concerned, listen, everything is really pivoted off Zelensky, right? I mean, just if you think about his, the, the, you know, the, the courageous stance that he's made, 
and how he's been able to get Germany to say, okay, we'll send lethal weapons. Okay, we'll build uh, liquid natural gas terminals. Um, you know, Switzerland has done things that Switzerland normally doesn't do. Uh, you know, it's been because of him. He's actually shamed his European counterparts. Now, you know, he can't. He he realized though, I think, as of you know now that he the, the a line in the sand has been created. He won't be able to shame them into sending fighter planes over Ukraine to enforce a no-fly zone. He tried it for 24, 48 hours. He pressed hard. They pressed hard. Uh, you know, the, the damage is building up. And he's, as a leader, he's going to have to make some, some more decisions. And, and I think this might be it. As painful as, as it is for the Ukrainian people, maybe the, the better part of valor is to live the fight another day. And that may be, and certainly was a conversation, a possibility, talking to Charles Payne of Fox Business. Uh, one of the things that President Biden got into when you talk about shifting blame and deciding to say, hey, this entire inflation conversation, it's just because of the war. My policies have had nothing to do with it. My management or mismanagement had nothing to do with it, which, of course, is not true. But he discussed the fact that there are 9,000 leases out there and oil companies can be drilling in all these spots. They're choosing not to. You have to ask them why they're not doing so. So first things first, are there all these leases out there where we're not drilling? And if so, why not? You know, I went. I was going combing uh, last night for a couple of hours through the um, uh, through the Bureau of Land Management's website, and it's hard to get updated information for this fiscal, as most recent fiscal year. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, a lot of these leases are offshore. Uh, you know, not a lot on land, and uh, and these leases. You know, listen. Here's the real news: is that the Biden administration has tried to go against. Uh, drilling. Uh, they had some court defeats, and they're still trying. Uh, they, they're taking. They make. They're making leasing on federal lands harder. And you know, the, the notion of a lease being out there uh, is just one part of the the puzzle. You know, it's like, okay, there's a patch of land out there, Tony. You can drill on it. <laughs> you know, well, next thing you got to do is make sure there's oil there, and, and more importantly, you got to make sure once you spent a few million dollars developing it. They don't pull the rug from under you. And I think that's really what the oil industry is afraid of more than anything else. President Biden didn't make it, uh, any – listen, he's been proud so far about his war on fossil fuels. Uh, here's the problem, though. The day after he was elected, crude oil was like 16 bucks a gallon, a, a barrel, right? And now it's 120 <laughs> So it's, it worked. This is what he wanted. Everyone forgets that famous, or if you want to say infamous, speech by President Obama. Uh, this was years ago, about a year before he ran for president, when he was talking to the San Francisco Chronicle, and he said, electricity prices necessarily have to go higher. We must crush skyrocket. The, 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 the word was skyrocket. Right, there you go. So this has always been part of the plan. Make it so painful that people look for an alternative. This has always been part of the plan. And, 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 but you know what? The political backlash has always been the, the one part that they couldn't deal with. Even when he was elected, Obama tried to walk back that, that statement on more than one occasion. Ideology before the nation. That seems uh, pretty obvious. Talking to Charles Payne, Fox Business, head on over to W Street, letterwstreet.com. Check out the website, uh, become a member, and get the book, Unstoppable Prosperity. It is free. Just click on it, and it will be yours. Uh, as we watch the, these markets move, 
and as we watch inflation grow, I have got everybody and their mother whispering in my ear, uh, you know, armchair analysts, people who know more than I do, <laughs> economists. Uh, and, and they're saying the same three words to me, Charles, and they're saying stagflation. Are we headed for stagflation as you see it? And can you define it for us? Uh, I think the simplest way is um, when prices are skyrocketing, we'll borrow that word again. That would be our word of the day as the economy is slowing. Normally those things don't go together, right? You know, it's like it's like if you're in your car and you hit the brakes and it goes faster or, or you hit the gas and it goes slower, right? It just doesn't make sense, uh, you know, and, and, and it's only happened once in this country, and that was in the 1970s, in part because of the Arab oil embargo. Uh, you know, which sent oil prices skyrocketing higher, even as our economy was lumbering. Uh, and of course, it was a, it came with the, the sense of misery uh, highlighted when President Jimmy Carter said, "Well, just turn down your thermostat and wear a sweater." You know, man up. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so do I see it? I mean, I see parts of it. Um, I, I just, I don't think our economy is as fragile as it was back in those days, back in the '70s. I mean, we got 11 million job openings, right? Um, uh, but I, I do see a, a nation that's being tested. Uh, I, I do see one where, you know, we spent the last couple of years where a lot of people didn't have to work. They, it was a luxury, uh, you know, afforded by all the money that was being put out there. That's got to decide if they want to get back, if we want to get back to that, that individual, uh, you know, ruggedness that, that made us the number one country in the world or, are we going to keep, you know, saying, hey, I want to stay at home until the next round of freebies? Because I don't think they're going to come. I hope they don't come. They actually helped to spark this inflation thing. And as they fade and people go back to just getting a job, wages are higher, uh, I think we'll moderate. I think it will come just short of an official stagflation period. At, at, I think our unemployment rate is 3.8 percent, but I don't find any faith or belief in that number because I still haven't figured out how many people have decided I'm not even going back into the workforce. I found something gig economy-esque and I don't need to be bothered, or I found a way to still get a dollar from the government and I don't need to be bothered. Well, you make an amazing point because to me, first of all, that 3.8%, um, that's, that's what they call, that's the U3 number. Uh, there's there's all the other ways of measuring the unemployment rate. Uh, but that is so, it's so farcical, I wish they would stop using it. I don't know who was the first person that said, hey, we should use this. Uh, it, it, anyway, the person was brilliant uh, because when people leave the labor force, they're no longer counted. Right. You know, so, so people leave in droves. I mean, theoretically, if enough people left the labor force, our unemployment rate would be zero, and we would have tens of millions of people not working. So it's nonsensical in that state. So participation, the participation rate is 62.3%. Um, that's up from the lows of the pandemic, which was 60%, but we're still off. The eve of the pandemic, it was 63.4, and that's the difference of millions of jobs right there. And i got to tell you, this number has been coming down for years and years, but it did start to go up. We did get an authentic, organic, you know, nothing, you know just people saying, okay, I sense opportunity. I sense a turn. I'm going to hit the bricks. Uh, 2018 into 2019, we saw a strong rebound in labor participation. Uh, and now we, I, I would like to see us get back there. We're a long ways from it. We are a long ways from it. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's it, you know, when people talk about that and when they break out the pom-poms, particularly like CNBC or some of these other places that should know better, um, you know, I think it's disingenuous at best. But listen, we're, we're getting there. But 
for me, the most frightening aspect is how many people are not participating in the labor force. We need people to go to work. Before I let you go, I only got about 60 seconds left with you. This is over the course of the last 16 hours, the word wheat has come up everywhere, that wheat is settling at an all-time high in terms of pricing, that there's a conversation about a, a dearth of wheat. This came up for me in, in my cigar and bourbon show, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Uh, 20% of the world's barley comes out of Ukraine, and therefore brewers are going to have an issue. But when you hear wheat as a possible issue, you're talking about how you feed the world. What do you know? Well, yeah, wheat, uh, you, you, the U, Ukraine is known as the breadbasket of, uh, of Europe and, and North Africa and parts of Asia, and uh, it's up 93% year over year. The good news is it's down 10% today, and most of that's happened after that uh, Zelensky speech. Um, it's, it's, it just shows you that these confrontations uh, have a wide impact, and some of the, and some of the decision-making, uh, you know, I think we can handle it. You know, we'll be able to deal with it just like we're, most of us, We'll have to suck it up and deal with higher gasoline prices. But, uh, you know, in Algeria, I don't know, you know, it, it could actually mean life or death. Or in Indonesia, it could mean life or death. Or other parts of Europe, it could mean life or death. It's a, it's a critical issue. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's why we try to avoid these kind of wars. But it's also another reason uh, we should all be rethinking globalization in general. Uh, you know, just just the interconnectedness. I think a smart when you can get a great product from a different country, uh, particularly at a lower price. I think it's dumb when you can produce that product yourself and create jobs for slightly higher prices. And I'm hoping that that's a lesson out of the pandemic and now out of this Russian invasion. Charles Payne, I appreciate you taking the time. It's always good to have you from Fox Business, WStreet.com, letter WStreet.com, and the book Unstoppable, Unstoppable Prosperity, as opposed to how I speak. Unstoppable Prosperity, and you can get that at WStreet.com. It's yours for free. Charles, always a pleasure, man. Good to be with you. More coming your way. I'm Tony Katz. $10 million is what Mike Pence and his advocacy group are putting into ads hitting Biden on Ukraine policy and energy independence. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So does that mean that Mike Pence is running for president? Running for president and seriously running for president are two very different things. And I'm not anti-Mike Pence. I'm just simply saying that I don't think the man can win a primary. I definitely don't think he can win a general. But these are moments that Mike Pence is built for. Built for. Cold War conversations, Russia conversations, American strength conversations, American freedom conversations, advocating for freedom around the globe. That's who he is. This is a Reaganite. Oh, this is everything Pence does really extremely well. And it's why I make the argument time and time again that Pence is your Secretary of State. That's that's who he is. Doesn't matter who you pick, whether it's Trump or, or whether it's, it's DeSantis, like Trump would ever work with Pence again. Oh, yeah, he will. Because Trump is, of all things, remember the first two rules of Trumpism. The first rule is Trump wins. The second rule is a deal can always be made as long as it adheres to the first rule of Trumpism. 
It hasn't changed, guys. I came up with the rules. Those are the rules. They apply in every situation. If you say to me, well, Trump didn't win a second term. Okay. I didn't say that he wins every last thing. It's that in his head, he wins. Being proven right. He said that a missive today. He's like, gas prices are their highest ever. Do you miss me yet? Come on. If you don't get that that's the man we're talking about, holy hell. I don't, my God, Jed, I don't even want to know you. Like, you, you can't miss the realities. The reality is, is that Mike Pence is going to act like a man running so he can fundraise, so he can write books, so he can give speeches and do all the things. And he's spending $10 million on this campaign in 11 states to target 16 vulnerable Democrats. You help out Republicans, they help you out. And then you have a lot of power, which... If you go back a few years, I was discussing on this very show about what I thought Mike Pence was doing. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.